Hey, who's excited to be in church today? I bet. Hey, welcome everybody online. Again, we're so honored and grateful that you are here. If you're live or YouTube or campus or uh, Facebook, however, whenever, whatever, maybe count it a privilege that you would take time out of your Sunday, out of your week to join with us here at Trinity. Come on, church, would you welcome them right now online like never before? Yeah, we're honored that you're here. If you haven't already, um, get your sermon notes or download the app, the sermon notes, everything Pastor Julie just said is right there. If you're in the room, I'd encourage you to take your worship guide out inside. You'll find some sermon notes and follow along as we conclude the series Summer at, at Trinity. Now, I gotta be honest with you. The last couple of weeks, uh, the messages have been a little intense. I gotta be honest, they, they have been, and that's been on purpose. Um, really felt when we came back from vacation um, to preach some of the messages that God has been just laying on my heart, just some of the overflow of what he's doing in me personally. And today is, is no different. Um, you're gonna get another one. Um, and this is the area. In fact, go to the summer, at, um, it's we're right there. Um, this is probably the area where I'm most concerned for all of us. Um, let's just call it what it is. The last 18 months have, have been interesting to say the least. Um, it's hit our church hard. From my perspective, this is the area where I've prayed for you more than any other. Um, I've asked Amanda from time and time again, like, I wonder how the people are. Are they okay? What, what are they doing? I hope they're reading their Bible. I hope they're in God's word. I hope they're connecting in good relationships. I, I've been concerned for our church our church family, from job layoffs that's happened here at this church, um, from marriages on the brink, from domestic violence to drug overdoses to you name it, our church body, our families have gone through it, constantly wondering, are you okay? Is everything okay? I'm convinced that in the middle of crisis, in the middle of difficult seasons, that's when we need each other more than ever before more than ever. So today my goal is to kind of make the case for you biblically of why relationships are, are so important, and especially with everything on the rise. Um, domestic violence, suicide, divorce. It's no surprise that people are in despair. And when you're in despair, that's the time to lean into good relationships, into godly relationships, because there you're gonna find a safe place. You're gonna find protection and that's where you're going to find encouragement. So at our church, we try to solve that problem here at Trinity uh, with a thing we call groups. So we have a four step approach at this church. We wanna help you know God. We wanna help you find a friend, discover your purpose so you can make a difference. That find a friend piece, that's not just get in a group. And Pastor DJ told me this week that by the fall, we hope to have over 60 groups of a church of our size. That's unbelievable. We're gonna have hiking groups. We're gonna have, uh, we're gonna have um, seniors groups, men's groups, women's groups, workout groups. We're gonna have them all. Um, and the goal is not just to get you in a group and to get you in a Bible study. And I hope you learn a bunch of Bible. I really do. I hope that you go hiking. I, the goal is not to get you into a group just to learn a bunch of stuff and to have fun. The real goal that I have for groups is that you would find one friend inside of this church that on your bad day, you have somebody to call to be real with, to find a place of protection, almost like a safety, a safety net. Amen. 
And all throughout the Bible, the Bible talks about this. This is a major theme in scripture, loneliness. Now I'm not talking about loneliness, like not around people, uh, but a recent study that Barna came out with is that 40% of Americans inside the church would say that they're not close to anybody. They couldn't pick up the phone and call somebody if it was their, their bad day. And so as your pastor, I'm really concerned about this. I wanna make sure that's not the reality for any of us. So the Bible, this is a major theme. So write this in your notes, that the, the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. That's what everybody thinks. It's sin, get, gotta get healed, it's sin. No, 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 the, the first problem actually in the Bible is solitude. God creates this magnificent world. We're in the garden with all the animals and vegetation and Adam is there. And in Genesis 1:31, the Bible says that God looked down and he saw that everything was very good. My seminary professor was a little dramatic and he would always say, it was very good, very good, very good, Mr. Moore, like very good. But then in Genesis chapter two, God looks down and he says, it's not good. This is the first time before the fall, Genesis chapter three, it's not good for, for man to be, to be alone. The first issue was not sin, it was solitude. Solomon, the, the wisest person who ever lived, the richest, had all of these wives. I have no idea why he chose to have 600 wives, but he did, had all of these wives. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, he says, there was a man all alone. He's talking about himself. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. He was just depressed, discouraged, had a case of the blues. Yet his eyes were not content with all of his wealth. What's he saying? Is I can have it all, be the richest man who ever lived, have all of this wisdom. But if I'm not close to anybody, I'm never gonna be content because you're not created just to gather a bunch of stuff. You're created for relationships. And so today, I'm gonna to try through the lessons that Jesus is gonna give us in the book of John, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, I've outlined it for you. Five principles that Jesus wants to pass on to us today of why relationships are so important. If I was gonna have a title um, for this message, I would just call it Relationships, Relationships Matter, okay? So if you have your Bibles, open them to John chapter 13. We're gonna be skipping a bunch or take your sermon notes out. But let me kind of set the stage for you. John chapter 13, um, it's what we just had. It was the upper room. It was the communion table. Jesus has been coming, all his ministry has been you know, dictated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that's what we call the synoptic gospels. Theologians call them that. These are very, very similar. They have a lot of the same uh, attributes, the same highlights. John is different. The book of John is different. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they give two or three paragraphs to this situation where John gives us five whole chapters of the last conversation that Jesus would ever have with his disciples. It's just really important information. So Jesus is there in the upper room and the disciples are starting to gather together. It was customary that somebody would be there to wash the feet of the house guests. It was a custom more than it was something really, really special. Well, nobody was doing it. So John tells us that Jesus took off his outer cloak and put on a towel and he began to sit down and wash the feet of the disciples. Peter, Thank God for Peter, he stands up and he goes, no, never, you shall never wash my feet. Here's what's so interesting. 
Peter just spent three years with Jesus. Knew everything that Jesus was about, up close and personal, front row seat to the ministry, knew what was about to happen if Jesus' words came true. Love Jesus dearly. So Jesus, I love you, I'll follow you, I'll do all of that, but you can't touch this area of my life. It's too dirty, it's too stinky, all those cracks. And I wonder today, how many of us would come to church and we say, I love Jesus, I'm so grateful, amazing worship, wow, I love my small group, all these things. I love all of this, but Jesus, you can't have that because it's too dirty, it's too smelly, it's too personal. And this is what Jesus says to Peter. Peter, unless I wash you, you can have no part with me. It's an all or nothing. So Jesus begins to teach. He has this conversation in the upper room that then leads to the Garden of Gethsemane. And here are the five principles that we could highlight from these five chapters. Here's the first one. That if we're gonna be a New Testament church, we're gonna have to be people that will allow other people to care for us. I need people who will care for me. Care is a ministry term. That means when you're sick, on your bad day, that somebody's there to help you. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 13. He continues, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place and says, do you understand what I have done? And the shallow disciples would have been like, well, yeah, you washed our feet. That was awesome, like really cool. And Jesus goes, oh, uh, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, like your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, now that I've done all that, here's what I want you to do. Like you should also wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Here's my point, that if we're gonna be a New Testament church, we're gonna have to get really good at giving care and receiving care. Amen. Let me say that again. That if we're gonna be a New Testament church, we're gonna have to get really good at giving care and really good at receiving care. Amen. And as our church continues to grow, people online, it's easy, right? Just to kind of come in and be anonymous and sit in the shadows and, and not let anybody know what's going on really on the inside. I'm telling you, you're missing a major part of all that God has for you in the body, in the body of Christ. Back to Solomon, the smartest man who ever lived, he writes, it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth, and if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, like, good luck, you're, you're all alone, man. You've created this world, like too bad for you. The next verse, Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We're gonna have to get really good at celebrating each other and being there to care for one another on the darkest days. I love this verse. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. We need people who will care for us on our most difficult day. I can remember being um, in Indiana, church we were at before we moved here four years ago. And I can remember getting that call that there was tragedy in a family. And I can, oh man, like this is gonna be bad. And I drove up to the home and all cars were there. It was just a really difficult scene. And, and I'm like, this is the family, an extended family. They've all gathered together. Like, all right, Lord, like give me the words to say. Like, I am the pastor after all. Like I need to bring, you know, comfort and what can I do? And I get out of the car and to my amazement, it wasn't the extended family. It was their small group. It was people inside the church. 
And I get there and they look at me and says, well, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm kind of the pastor. Like, I just think I should show up. Maybe I should pray. I don't know. And like, they already had meal plans, errands run, ideas what they're going to do. They didn't need me. I said, well, can I just at least pray? Like as a pastor, like a professional Christian, let me just do one thing. And I, I get in the car and you would think like, oh man, I felt, I left so fulfilled. Like that is the body of Christ. That is the church at work doing our very best, giving care to those who are in desperate need of it. If we are going to be a New Testament church, we're gonna have to get really good at giving care and receiving care. And as we continue to grow, this will be a staple of who we are as a church. That's John chapter 13, that's a major theme. Now here's John chapter 14, here's the second principle, and you're gonna need people who will encourage you. I need people who will encourage me. Not just on my darkest day, but as your pastor, like I have those days where I just feel kind of like blah. Kind of like, I have the case of the blues. Anybody else have that? Just like, I can't put a finger on it. Maybe some depression. I don't, like, what is it? I just don't know. I, those are the days when I need somebody just to look at me and put, pat me on the back and say, attaboy, you're awesome. I just need my wife to look at me and say, you're the most amazing man who's ever walked the face of the planet. <laughs> and when she doesn't do that, right, I call my friends. Like, what do you think? Like, and I'm fishing for a compliment, right? Like, you all do it. Don't just... No, like we need somebody to put their arm around us and say, hey, you're all right. You're gonna, you're gonna get through it. No matter how dark it seems, like you're gonna be fine. John chapter 14, verse one, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. The, the disciples, their tails were tucked, right? They're all scared. She said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God also in me. And if you know the rest of John chapter 14, Jesus starts talking about heaven. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. All these things are true. And Jesus is saying, what you're dealing with, it is temporary. Take the focus off this earth, put it on something else. Some of you, you need to take your focus off of the news channel of your choice. I don't care if you're right wing or left wing, get off of it. Stop watching those YouTube videos. I'm so depressed all the time. It's so scary. Stop watching the news. <laughs> Stop it. Instead of watching the news and YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video, pick up the phone and call somebody, take them to lunch, take them to coffee and say, I'm going to encourage you and you're going to encourage me. Let's get some encouragement all up in here instead of letting the news dictate my mood. Mm. Encourage one another. This is, I love this, Hebrews chapter three. Like one of, daily, not just on Sunday, like th this, is, this is the New Testament principle. The, the New Testament principle is you come together in the temple for worship. You come and you hear the most amazing sermon every single week, right? You don't have to laugh that hard. <laughs> you hear the most amazing sermon and then you go to house to house. You're being encouraged daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know why this is so important to be encouraged? So life doesn't get the best of you. I have people, I have pastors that will call me and say, just checking in, how you doing? Oh man, it's been a heck of a week. And I'll start complaining about whatever I'm dealing with. And I'll hear, I have one friend who's like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Hey, you know, Jared, um, there are probably 7 billion people in the world that would trade places with you right now. Yeah, you're right. It's not that bad. And then he'll look at me and he'll say, and you know something, Jared? 
This weekend, you're going to open God's word and you're going to lead and you're going to love the people that God has put in your care. You get to pastor Trinity Church. I mean, how stinking cool is that? Like, you get to do that. You know something? Like, yeah, you're doing it, man. You're doing it. I already feel better. I'm already encouraged. I'm ready. I'm ready. As my dad used to say, I'm ready to storm the gates of hell with a water gun, right? Like, I'm ready. I can do it. I can make it. I can make it happen. You need people that will encourage you daily. Am I making the case that you need to be in a group? Here's the third point. We need people who will partner. We need a partner. Somebody to do it with us. This is what spiritual development, discipleship is the old term word. So now we say the spiritual development or leadership development. This is what it's all about. You can't do this alone. Let me say it this way. You will never reach the full potential of your spiritual life if you think you can do it by yourself. You can't. We're going to stay connected to the vine. And here's what Jesus says. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from Jesus, apart from him, we can do nothing. And we know this principle. Stay connected to Jesus, but the way we stay connected to Jesus is through other people. We're not smart enough, we're not talented enough, gifted enough to be able to do it alone. We have to partner with other people, which is why Solomon, again, the wisest person who ever lived, said two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. You need one person, one accountability partner that you can link arms with, link arms with Jesus, link arm with somebody else, partner together for the work that God has for you. You need a partner. Here's the fourth principle, almost there. I need people who will protect me. I need people who will protect me. I have vulnerable areas in my life. I can only see what I can see. Like for instance, somebody right now could be walking on the stage behind me. I can't see them. I mean, I think our security team would tackle them before they would get on the stage, but I can't see them. You can't see the things that are behind you either. We all have blind spots. And if you don't think you have blind spots, that's your blind spot. All of us have blind spots. And this is what Jesus says. All of this I have told you so that you will not go astray. This is the word um, in the Greek, it's skandalizo. You know the word scandal from? Like, you don't want your life to be marked by a bunch of scandals, do you? Well, of course not. I don't want your life to go astray for that to be the mark of it. So Solomon, he comes back in the Old Testament and tells us a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back. I got your back, you got my back, and we can conquer. We can do everything. And not only that, you know, like three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You need people who will stand back to back with you, not in judgment, not in shame. And I know people in the church, I know I've, I've heard this. Well, one time I got a good friend, like they, they stabbed me in the back. They, they broke trust. I can never trust anybody again. Let me tell you, 
Just because you have one bad dentist appointment doesn't mean you stop going to the dentist. Like, this is so important. You need people in your life to protect you from what you can't see. John Wesley, the great founder of the Wesleyan Church, uh, his whole method, by the way, was small groups. He knew the best way to pastor thousands of people was get them in groups, get them in groups, get them in groups, get them in groups, get them in groups. And as they would get in these groups, there was a series of questions, it was very thought out, a series of questions that you were going to be asked every single week if you were a part of the Wesleyan movement at the early ages. Now, this has been um, adapted by several pastors, but here are the questions. They're not in your notes. If you wanna take a picture quick or rewatch it later, but here are the questions that you, you need to be asked these questions every week. And they're gonna hurt, but you need to be asked them. And here's the first one. This is from John Wesley. Have you been in a compromising situation this week? That's the first question. Second question, have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Here's the third. Have you viewed any sexually explicit material this week? Here's, here's the fourth. Have you spent quality time in Bible study and prayer? Five, have you given priority time to your family? And the sixth question, have you fulfilled the mandates of the calling that God has on your life? I mean, pretty intense questions, right? Like you're gonna sit down and, and think that through and not a guilt and shame, but somebody that's there to protect you and to honor you and to call you to be a better version of yourself than you currently are. Then after you ask these <laughs> questions, here's number seven, which is the best. Um, have you just lied to me? <laughs> of all that, have you? Well, yeah, probably, like, I probably, I probably did. I probably didn't, oh, man, I probably shouldn't have done that. If we're gonna be a New Testament church, we need people to protect us. Let me say it this way. If you are the only person who knows your secrets, you are in trouble. You need somebody who loves you, who won't shame you, to walk the journey, to call you to be a better version of yourself. All of us need people to protect. Here's point number five, and then we're gonna end the service just a little bit different today. In my study this week, I came to this point, just felt pressed upon by the Holy Spirit to lead us in this moment. And here's point number five, don't put your notes away, don't check out with me, stick around. But we're gonna live this out, where I'm most concerned for you, we need people that will pray for me. We all do, I do, you do, we all need people who will pray. They leave the upper room situation, communion's done, and Jesus has taken them to the Garden of Gethsemane. In, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that Jesus is under such stress and under such pressure that he's literally sweating drops of blood, the Bible tells us. I mean, just imagine the anguish that he's dealing with in that moment. Jesus knows what's about to happen. I'm about to go to a cross to pay a, a debt that I, I, I haven't done anything wrong. And this is the worst kind of death ever, but I'm gonna go for him and him and him and her and, and that mom and that sister. I'm, I'm gonna willingly go to a cross. 
And Jesus leaves the disciples, asks them to pray for him, and Jesus goes by himself, comes back, and guess what? The disciples are sleeping. They failed them. The one thing that Jesus asked them to do, they couldn't do it. And Jesus looks at the situation, here's what he says. And after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. Because I pray for them. I pray for the disciples. Interesting prayer. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, the disciples, those in my care right now. Think about this. This is very interesting. Because Jesus is about to go to the cross and pay for the sins of the world. And Jesus doesn't pray for us. He prays for the disciples. Here's why. Because Jesus knew that if I could care for them, the disciples can care for the world. This is the idea of what we call prayer covering. You're gonna hear a lot about this. That all of us need to be covered in prayer on a daily basis. I mean, we have tons of goals here. I'm a very driven individual. The vision is great. But it would be a mistake for us to go plant a bunch of churches in Asia and Africa and go plant our East Mesa location and remodel and update what you see here. It'd be a huge mistake for us to do all of that, but yet not care for each and every one of you. It'd be a huge mistake. All of us need to be cared for. We need to be prayed for on a daily basis, which is why Paul says in Ephesians, um, Prayer is essential. We've, we've heard this word a lot, right, in the last 18 months. <laughs> prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and pray for your sisters. Now, I gotta be honest with you. I, this is how I'm gonna end this, this message, different than even how I planned it this week. But I'm gonna be vulnerable with you I'm gonna lead the way. From the world standard, it would appear that I'm a successful guy. I have confidence. I have a beautiful wife, three kids, doing my part, right? 2.7 is the average. I'm overachiever on that, right? <laughs> I've done my part. Like, I, I get to pastor a great church, seeing a church grow. Like, by the world's standards, it'd be successful. But if I'm being honest with you, there are some areas in my life that are so vulnerable and insecurity rises up. And it feels like if somebody was just to touch it, like the whole thing could come, just fall apart. Anybody else feel that way? You're in the room you're online and God has given you the, the gift, the amazing gift of making money. Uh, you can make it blindfolded. Like everything you touch just turns to gold. Um, but you're lonely in your soul. You know it and you haven't told anybody about it. But all that success, you're in despair. Maybe you're a mom and you have all the plates spinning and it looks amazing. 
and you're solving every problem that comes your way. You're doing for others, but nobody's doing for you. Maybe you're older and you're in the room and you think, man, nobody even notices me. I haven't gotten that phone call in a really long time. Seems like I'm just going through the motions. Like, what's all this for? This week, I was reminded of Moses, the great hero of the Old Testament. It's an incredible story. Moses, this man with all these insecurities and all of his faults and all of his anger, God used him in incredible ways to lead the children of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt. They're going to the promised land. And God used Moses to part the Red Sea, right? And to hit that rock and water began to come out. I mean, just amazing, miracle after miracle after miracle. In the Israelites' first battle, Exodus chapter 18, the story goes that Moses had to hold his arms up and his rod up, and as long as his arms were in the air, the Israelites were winning the battle. But as soon as his arms began to droop, the tide would turn, the enemy would take ground. So Aaron and her, Moses' good friends, they could have looked at Moses and said, oh, man, he don't need my help. Look at him, he has it all together. Like he's amazing, what an amazing leader. He, they could have said that, but they didn't. They saw what was going on and they, the text says, they moved this rock. Moses, sit here. And Aaron, you get on this side, and her, I'm gonna get on this side, and we're going to lift Moses' arms. That was the day the Israelites won their first battle. The hero of that story is not Moses. Earthly speaking, the hero of that story was Aaron and her, that in Moses' time of need, they picked up the weight, they cared for him, they encouraged him, they, they partnered together, they linked arms, they protected him, and they prayed for him. And if Moses, this amazing leader of the Old Testament, needed it in a vulnerable moment, so do you, so do I. Church, listen to me, we need each other. We need each other. So as we end this service today, our prayer team, our staff, our pastors, we are going to pray for you. We're not gonna go anywhere. Our worship team, we're gonna lead us in a, in a new song today. And we're gonna be down front. And if you need prayer for any reason, great or small, this is a praying church. This is not weird. You're not gonna be embarrassed. You're not gonna shame you, but we are here to pray with and to pray for you today. And I gotta to apologize to you as the pastor of this church. We have never done this in a service and it's a mistake. We are a house of prayer. This is gonna be a new rhythm that we're going to create in our weekend services. I believe in this. You need to be prayed for by name. So in a moment, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna stand to our feet, band's gonna lead us. Our prayer team will be in place. And if you need prayer today, I invite you to come.
And I'm gonna invite you right now to stand all over the room and online, you're here, you're not alone. Right there on the chat, you can click the box that says, I need prayer. And it's going to take you to a private chat that nobody else will see. And we are going to pray specifically for you by name today. We'll be here for as long as it takes. Our prayer team is ready. Our band is getting in place. But if you need prayer today, this is your moment. Don't let this moment pass. So let me start this off with a prayer today. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person that's in this room. Now, one person here today is on accident. Lord, you know right where they are today. This is a holy moment. We need each other. And some people today, they're here, they're online, they haven't been prayed for by name in years, maybe never. So today, God, I know you wanna do something fresh. I know you wanna do something new in this moment. So go before us, Holy Spirit, we hold nothing back. We invite you to move like never before. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.
so close for just a few more minutes. People are still here praying. We're not going to rush anyone. But a few moments as we send you out, there's some of you today that would just say, Pastor, like I'm far from God. I know it. And today, you know, God's been speaking to you. Don't let this moment pass. Like have a real moment today. God's looking for a humble heart. That's all he's looking for. And some of you today, you would say, Pastor, that's me. Today, I just need to start, begin a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you, just put this prayer in your own words, online, in the room, just say this. Just say, today, God, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance, but today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Tell him that. I hold nothing back. I invite you to come be my Lord, my Savior. Say, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. The Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person praying that prayer. Some today are praying that prayer for the very first time. Others, it might be a recommitment prayer. Lord, you know right where they are. Thank you for saving people today. And today, God, as a church, we say thank you. Thank you for what you've done, for people taking steps of boldness to receive prayer, for the ministry that's happened in this room today. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you. And I pray that it'll be more than just a one-time deal, <laughs> more than just one service, for this will be a mark of who we are people that are committed to one another because we need each other. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Hey church, you take a moment and will you celebrate with me all those who just said yes to Jesus online in the room? It's awesome. It's awesome. Hey, before we send you out here just a moment, um, if you need prayer for any, still need prayer, maybe you're too afraid in, the, in that moment, our prayer team is gonna stay in place for as long as it takes this morning. Um, and it'd be our privilege, our honor to pray with you and to pray for you. Um, but if you're looking at a next step here at Trinity Church, you wanna know what that's all about. Uh, we have a thing that we call the growth track. It's a four step process. It'll help you know God, find a friend, discover your purpose so you can make a difference. Um, during the 11 o'clock service is step one, which is right out there in the lobby. Um, you know you need to take a next step. Well, let us help you take that next step by going right to the growth track. Our host team will greet you, answer all the questions that you may have. And church, before we send you out, it's time for the offering. Are you excited to give back to God today? I know you are. We serve a give first God, so we're gonna be a give first people. So however you give, in the boxes in the back, online, through the app, thank you for your amazing and your continued generosity. All right, let me pray a blessing over you as we dismiss. God, again, I thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for what you've done in this room this morning. And I pray that we'll have the most amazing Sunday afternoon that we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. I'll see you next weekend. God bless you.